The following sermon, entitled The Loving Discipline of Our Children, Part 1, number 5 in the series on Proverbs for Parenting, was preached on the morning of September 20th, 2020, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church of Redlands, California. For more information, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this morning to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. We'll begin reading at verse 13 of the chapter and we will read through the end. The text for this morning's sermon will be verse 24. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13. This is the inspired and infallible Word of God. Whoso despiseth the Word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners. But to the righteous, good shall be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. We end our Scripture reading at that point. The text for this morning sermon is verse 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. We are in the midst of a series of sermons entitled Proverbs for Parenting. In this series, therefore, we are examining what the book of Proverbs has to teach us regarding our calling as parents. We want to see the practical wisdom that God's own Word has for us. And we are doing this on the occasion of baptism. And it's fitting that we have such instruction on the occasion of baptism because, as we were reminded this morning, every time we have a child baptized, as parents, we take a vow. We make a promise Chad and Maria made a promise this morning that they would instruct and bring up their children in the doctrines of the church. 
in the teachings of the Scripture. And now, as those who have made such a weighty promise, we want guidance as parents. We want instruction for how to be faithful to those vows. And thus, we have this ongoing series. Now this morning, we come to the important topic, the important concept of the discipline of our children. And I say it's an important topic because this is one of those aspects of parenting that we can at times neglect. That is, when it comes to the discipline of our children, it seems that this is an area in which we at times slip a little bit. That we're not as faithful as we should be. And thus we need reminders. We need encouragements. This is also an aspect of our parenting that can be done in a very wrong way. That is, it can be that we develop bad habits, that we we slip into a sort of spiritual rut when it comes to the discipline of our children. And therefore, we need instruction on this. Instruction not from secular psychologists who specialize in the raising of children, but we want instruction from God's Word. We want to know what, what does God say about the discipline of our children? What does it look like? How are we to go about it? And now, so important is this topic that we're going to do something unusual today. That we're going to have two sermons, both in the same day, on the same passage, both treating Proverbs 13, verse 24, and the topic of discipline. Most often, when I am preparing a sermon, I wish I had twice as much time to explain to you everything that is found in the text, but I have to limit myself. This week I felt that especially strongly and therefore finally decided we're going to have two sermons on this one passage. Because if we limited ourselves to only one sermon, we'd be giving short shrift to this important topic. If we limited ourselves to only one sermon, that would mean that certain things that need to be said would be left unsaid. And therefore, both this morning and this evening, we're going to look at Proverbs 13, verse 24. Now, maybe you wonder though, are the sermons going to be different? And yes, they will be. Because this morning, what we're going to do is look at this passage a bit more broadly and look at the main truth that's found here, the main concept, namely discipline. And we want to look at that a little bit more generally. Whereas tonight, what we're going to do in part two is narrow in on what this specific passage emphasizes and highlights about discipline, namely that it's to be done as an act of love. But the theme for both sermons will be the same. This morning we consider part one of the loving discipline of our children. The loving discipline of our children. This morning first we look at the instruction given in discipline. Second, at the pain administered in discipline. And then third and finally, the diligence required in discipline. The instruction given, the pain administered, and the diligence required. This passage is about the discipline of our children. And that's evidence from the, evident from the language of the text. Verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him 
betimes. And that word chasten could just as easily be translated as disciplines. He that disciplines his son. That's what this passage is all about. And now this particular word that's translated as chasteneth, that could be translated as discipline, is a very specific and instructive word. Because this one word really has two different ideas wrapped up into it. For it includes not only what we typically think of when we hear the word discipline, namely some administration of pain, some correction, but it also includes the idea of instruction, of teaching. So that really the idea of this word is some pain, some correction that leads to, that gives an opportunity for instruction and teaching. And the point of using this word, the point of the Spirit is that both go together. And that discipline must include both of these elements so that we can define discipline this morning as the loving administration of pain on account of some sin, a parent's loving administration of pain on account of some sin, coupled with instruction. Both parts are important. Both the administration of pain as well as the instruction that goes along with it. And this morning, in the first two points of the sermon, we're going to take each of those two aspects, the instruction component, and then the, the pain and the administering of pain component. But now before we look at the instruction itself, there's an aspect of that definition that we gave that we have to first bring to light. Something that's not explicit in Proverbs 13, verse 24. And that's the question of when are we to discipline or perhaps more accurately, for what? For what are we to discipline? And to put it negatively, the answer is not simply because our children did something that annoys us. When do we discipline our children? Is not when our children embarrass us or inconvenience us or perhaps are even guilty of breaking something, of causing damage to something. I needed to be reminded of that the other week when our daughter spilled water over a magazine. In my frustration, I went to fetch the discipline stick. And by the time I returned, my wife wisely, gently pointed out, "Hun, you never said she could not take a drink out of your water. And besides, it was an accident. And she was right underscoring the point that simply because our children do something that annoys us or that we didn't want them to do, that is not necessarily the occasion for discipline. Instead, positively, the occasion for discipline, what we discipline them for, is sin. It's on account of sin that we make use of the rod. It's when they are defying God's law. When they're exhibiting a lack of love for God or a lack of love for their siblings or their neighbors. Blatant sin is the occasion for discipline. And now to be more specific, it's when our children know that they have sinned. In other words, it needs to be established ahead of time. These are the things you may not do. These are the tasks that you must do. And then when our children 
go against what we said they may not do or fail to do the things that we've clearly laid out you must do when they know that what they're doing is wrong, that is when they are to be disciplined as children. And now saying that underscores the importance of having clearly defined rules in the home and focus and a focus on the most important rules in the home. Because as parents, we must not have a countless, endless number of things that our children may or may not. We need to keep it simple. Focus on the most important things, the essential things. And then make sure that we're faithful in disciplining accordingly. So we're to discipline our children when they sin. But now even in explaining that, we see that instruction is an important aspect of that discipline. We're to teach our children ahead of time, but then also when we indeed discipline them. So that when it comes time to administer some pain, we make crystal clear to our children why they are receiving that pain. It may be crystal clear to us. We know exactly why, most often. We know exactly why they're going to get a spanking. But we need to remember that we're dealing with young children often. Children who may not have the same level of clarity and therefore we need to spell it out for them. This is the rule that we put in place. This is what we said would happen if you go against that rule. And now this is exactly what you did. And now therefore, this is going to be the consequence. Lay it out for them. Teach the children. Show them the wrongness of what they did. Teach them that our sin is provoking to our God and then teach them their responsibility in them, responsibility in that sin. It may not be that we let them get away with the thinking that, well, so-and-so is to blame. They need to see, no, this is on me. I'm responsible for this sin. And then show them the consequences of sin. And in all of us, we need to be true teachers. Be prophets in the office of all believer by using language that they can understand. Because it may be our explanation may be very rational in our own heads, but again, we're dealing with children as young as two, maybe even younger. We need to teach them by clearly defining the sin in simple terms and language that they can understand. We give instruction. And now in all of this instruction, we need to give all of it with a proper demeanor. A proper demeanor. And that proper demeanor is not one of anger. The proper way of going about discipline is not by berating them. Not by throwing up our hands in frustrations. How many times do I have to tell you, you little... No name calling. Because the proper demeanor for disciplining and instructing our children is a calm demeanor. One that communicates sorrow. We're to be sad as parents when we discipline them. Be sad with a a sadness that communicates we're sorry for that sin. Not only am I sorry for my own sins, but 
I'm sorry even when I see those sins in my children. Or to communicate not just with our words, but with the whole of our being so that our children learn to feel a level of pain not just on their hind end when we discipline them, but in their very souls. The way in which we discipline them should reflect the the displeasure of our Heavenly Father, a Father who does not quickly become angry. A Father who does not overdo, who never overdoes it in His discipline, but yet is at the same time displeased. The way in which we discipline our children should reflect the, the grief caused by the Holy Spirit. We must instruct our children when we discipline them. And now if we fail to teach them, if we fail to instruct them, that means what we're doing is not truly discipline in the biblical sense of the word, but instead, all we're doing is punishing our children. You see, there's a difference between punishment on the one hand and true biblical discipline on the other. Prisons punish. And that's really all they can do. And while some parents might punish, that's not all that we can do, nor is that what, we're, nor is that what we are called by God to do. There are key differences. For punishment administers some pain, but stops at that. And it's done not so much for the sake of the one being punished, but for the person administering the punishment. Discipline is different. Because discipline goes beyond the administration of pain. It includes instruction that's done for the sake of the one being disciplined. To put it differently, punishment is not done in love for the criminal. At best, punishment is meted out for the love of society, if that's even true. But discipline loves the criminal. And discipline is done for the benefit of that child because it seeks to change that child and their inner being at the very core of who they are. And furthermore, whereas punishment is a sudden, spontaneous, personal reaction against some offense, discipline is an extended, carefully managed event. It's a process. Exactly because it has that instruction component included in it. So there's a clear difference between punishment on the one hand and discipline on the other. And you can search high and low in Scripture. Nowhere will you find a calling simply to punish our children. The calling is always to discipline them. And that includes instruction. Instruction that comes before the administration of pain that we explain so that there's clearly established rules and then we remind them why they're being disciplined. Then also instruction that follows that pain. Instruction that focuses on the cross of Jesus Christ and the fact that there is forgiveness for our sins. And that instruction will be the focus of tonight's sermon. So we 
leave that for later on. But instruction also that includes setting before our children the right way. Here's how to respond when someone else steals a toy from you. Here is how you are supposed to behave when I laid out these instructions. We need to set forth positively for them. This is how we're to live out of thankfulness for the forgiveness of our sins. And so far, and insofar as we fail to give that instruction, we're guilty of simply punishing our children. And when that is the case, then we've gone against the teaching of Ephesians 6 verse 4, which tells us, do not provoke your children to wrath. We do so when we simply punish them. Administer pain and stop at them. We must also instruct. So there's instruction given in discipline. But now lest we so emphasize that, we must also remember the other component, the other main element, namely that there is to be pain administered in discipline. There's to be pain, and that's evident from the verse as well. Verse 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. It speaks of a rod which indicates to us that the rod is the instrument for discipline. And the fact that it's a rod implies there's going to be some pain. There's going to be the causing of hurt upon the child. And most often, this is to take the form of a spanking. I say most often because there may be some exceptions. And perhaps those exceptions become more prominent when our children get a bit older then it becomes a little more appropriate to use such things as the revoking of privileges or the the grounding from some activity. But in general, the rule of thumb should be a spanking. That is, with an appropriate level of force, we strike the rear end of our child on account of some sin. And now not the back of their legs, Not the lower part of their back, nor any other part. Do not hit your children in the face. But on the hind end, on the padded area of their body, and with an appropriate level of force, not with all the fury that we can muster, but with a level of self-control, with a carefully calibrated level of force that is appropriate to the offense that takes in mind the fragile character of our children. So there must be the administration of some pain. And now in this connection, it's worth noting the strong biblical preference for using a rod. That is, a rod instead of an open hand. And I say that's the strong biblical preference because when you read these passages on discipline, consistently what you find is mention of a rod. You don't speak of any, you don't read of any proverb when it speaks of using one's hand. Now again, there may be some exceptions. There may be a time when one must use his hand. So I say strong biblical preference. But nevertheless, there are good reasons for using a rod that is having some designated object 
that is consistently used for the administering of pain. Perhaps it's a sturdy kitchen spoon made out of wood. Something like that. Now, there are at least two good reasons why the rod, some sturdy object, is to be used in preference over the hand. First, because using a rod gives us time to arrive at that proper disposition for disciplining our children. Because if you have some rod, it means you have to go get it. You have to fetch that wooden spoon. And the amount of time that it takes to get up, walk over to that place, affords us as parents precious, precious time to calm down. To put away that anger that swelled within our hearts the moments we saw God's Word being clearly violated. And to arrive at that proper disposition disposition to think about what we're about to do so that we avoid disciplining in fury and in anger. The second good reason for using the rod is that it distances the pain that the child experiences from our hands. Our hands are what we use to love our children. To care for them. To set their food before them. To play with them. And now it is love to discipline. We'll talk about that tonight. But at the same time, there's a point to be made that using a rod separates the pain-administering object from the hand of the parent. And that's helpful for the child. And in light of these reasons, the strong biblical preference that we use a rod when we discipline our children. But now regarding the whole concept of using the rod and administering a spanking to cause some pain, we must see this morning that this is God's own instruction to us. And we must be convicted of that. And the importance of that is because there are many who urge us to put away the rod. They challenge the use of spanking to discipline our children. This is true of many in the world around us. They point to a large body of research that they say proves that spanking children really doesn't do any good. You're going to cause more damage than good, says the secular psychologist. You're going to stir up aggression and anger in your child, says the wisdom of the world. And thus they urge us, put away the rod. And instead they set before us alternative methods of instructing our children. But you see, in saying that they're going directly against what Scripture itself says. And thus this morning we need to be convicted that disciplining our children by making use of a rod is not old-fashioned. It's not out of date. But instead, it's the biblically prescribed method. And furthermore, it's also, there's also a level of mercy to it. 
Because when you go to some of those alternative methods, what they typically involve is the drawing out of the pain. Of a a grounding that, that goes over the course of a week or two weeks or whatever it may be. That's painful. And while there's certainly a level of pain associated with receiving a spanking, it's over in a moment. It's very brief, and there's a certain level of mercy into that. And that's so important exactly because it allows for tenderness to follow immediately after. It allows for the restoration of a a damaged relationship to take place right away. Which is to say, it allows for reconciliation. Reconciliation between God and the child and between the parent and the child. And so there's a certain level of mercy in the Bible's own prescription for how we are to discipline our children. And while no doubt researchers can point to concrete examples of the rod causing damage, such examples are not proof that we should abandon the use of the rod. Instead, such examples underscore the importance of carefulness of self-control in this aspect of our parenting. And thus they point us to the need for diligence. For diligence. There's a diligence required in the discipline of our children. The diligence required comes out in that very last word of the proverb. Verse 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Betimes. And now in the original, that word betimes is not an adverb, but it's actually a verb. So that that means to seek early and diligently so that a a more literal reading of this proverb would be that one who loves his son seeks him early and diligently with discipline. Now that verb has that idea of searching out seeking, but then with sort of two different points of emphasis, both of which are important. On the one hand, it emphasizes the idea of early, right away. The other emphasizes the idea of diligently, consistently. And if you look at the different translations of the Bible, of this verse that are out there, you see that different translations gravitate toward one of the two ideas. It's not that one translation is better. They're each just focusing on a different aspect of this one word. And really, both are important. So that when we read, we are to chasten them betimes, part of the point is we are to discipline them early. Early in the sense of right after the sin. Yes, there should be a few seconds to calm down. To settle down so that we discipline properly. But at the same time, the administering of pain does need to follow very quickly after the sin. Because if there's a long gap in between, then the connection is lost. The child lose sight of 
why this pain is being administered. And therefore, we discipline shortly afterward. And now again, as our children get older, that gap can get slightly longer because our children can reason. And we can say, this discipline you're getting now is because of the way you were acting in church over an hour ago. But the point being, we discipline early, right away. The moment there's sin, shed light upon it by disciplining our children. But early also in the sense of early in life. That is, we're to start young. And the importance of starting young is that the longer we wait, the more readily sinful habits will develop. The more entrenched certain sins will become in the hearts of our children. And to avoid that, we discipline them early. A very young age. But that's only part of the meaning of this verb. We discipline early. The other main way that this could be translated is to discipline diligently. Diligently. That comes out in the translations. The discipline early comes out in the, the King James where we read, but he that loveth his, him chasteneth him. Betimes, that word betimes means early. The new King James follows suit when it says discipline promptly. So those translations capture that idea. But if you look at other translations such as the English Standard Version or the New American Standard, they discipline it diligently. And again, they're not wrong. They're just focusing on a different aspect of the Word. We're to be diligent in our discipline. That is careful and conscientious in it. We're to be dedicated and faithful in this discipline. And here, the main thing we need to warn against is the under-disciplining of our children. And by under-disciplining our children, what I mean is we say these are the rules. We establish these will be the consequences if you go against them. But then when our children are clearly sinning against it and we've told them to stop, we told them no, and they persist anyway, we fail to actually do good on what we said would happen. Or we do so only part of the time, a small fraction of the time, so that our children never know when or not, whether or not they are going to be disciplined. And it leads to, and it leads to confusion. Under-disciplining is harmful for our children. And therefore, it's to be avoided. We're to be consistent in our discipline rather than here, there, and everywhere so that our children never know what to expect. Inconsistency spoils the effectiveness of the rod. And such inconsistency is a way, another way, in which we can be guilty of provoking our children to wrath. They get angry because, well, sometimes my mom disciplines me. Other times, most often, she doesn't. So the calling of the text is to be diligent in this work. But now as parents, we recognize that we are not always consistent. That we often do grow weary. We confess as parents this morning, there are times that 
we administered some pain, but never followed it up with instruction. There are times that we have wrongly disciplined with anger in our hearts rather than love for the child. And we wonder, what's going to keep us going? What is it that will motivate us to do this important work consistently? Well, the answer to that is love. Love. That's the teaching of the text. But he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. This is a love, first of all, for our children. And that's evident from the fact that it says, loveth him, him that is the son. We're to discipline out of love, out of a desire for our children's good and an active doing of that good. But starting to say all that, we're starting to get into what is going to be the focus of tonight's sermon. So we set, take the love for our children and reserve that for later on. But it's not just our love for our children that's a motivation for us. Because it's also our love for our God. A love for God that is rooted in and flows from His love for us. Because after all, we too are sinners. In that respect, we're no different than our children. Yes, we've been placed in a a position of authority over them, but in many respects, our children are very much like us. In fact, how often is it not the case that when we see our children sinning, what we see are the same sins that we find within ourselves. And that means we need to have a certain level of humility when we go about this important work of disciplining our children. Because we're sinners. And for that sin, we deserve not just discipline, but punishment in the true sense of the Word. What we deserve as for our sins is not the love of our God, but His wrath. We deserve an eternal punishment, an eternity of hurt. But God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son to take that very punishment that we deserve and bear it and endure it Himself. And now it's on account of that saving work that we love God. And it's our love for God that motivates us to be diligent in the disciplining of our children. It's out of gratitude for what He's done for us that we now want to parent our children according to His divine wisdom, trusting that He knows what's best. The instruction found here in His Word is the right way and we believe that and we want to apply that. But also love because we recognize that while these children are given to us for a time, ultimately they still belong to Him. These are His precious jewels. And we've been given the task to care for them for a brief period of time. And knowing that these are His children, we now seek to do good to our children, to raise them as God calls us 
out of love for God so that we love God by and through loving our children. May God grant us the grace to do just that, to be diligent in this work, including the discipline and instruction of these precious jewels. Amen. Let us pray. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for the guidance Thy Word gives us as parents. And as we are reminded of the importance of instructing and disciplining our children, as parents we confess that we have many shortcomings, that we have sinned in this respect, and therefore we cry out for mercy, Father, forgive us. But also grant unto us not only Thy forgiving grace, but also Thy enabling, transforming grace. Help us to take what we have heard this morning and out of gratitude apply it to our own lives. Make us faithful in this important aspect of parenting. And hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.